God for his amazing grace. Open your Bibles again to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm starting just a few minutes early tonight, and I'm glad I want to uh, complete the message without being uh, in a rush tonight. And if you'll open your Bibles and keep them open, my uh, title comes from uh, the 16th verse of the 11th chapter where the Bible says, But now they desire a better country. Now they desire a better country. I'm preaching tonight on this subject. You cannot find a better life looking back. I'll come back to verses 15 and 16 in just a moment. You can't find a better life looking back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the joys and the blessings of church today. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless the preaching of your word tonight. As it is heard here in this building and it is heard by hundreds and perhaps thousands of people as it goes out tonight and is heard not only tonight but throughout the coming days. I pray that you'd bless it. Now, Lord, I have a specific burden for our young people tonight and I have prayed today that they would pay attention and listen to the message tonight. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to desire the life the joy of life that you want us to have. May we hunger for what you want for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This chapter in the book of Hebrews is one of the most well-known chapters in all of the Bible. It is referred to as the Hall of Faith chapter. And you have a list of people named one after the other who were people of faith in God, not just people who possessed a faith believing that there is a God, but they lived out their lives in obedience to the Lord. For example, in these first few verses, you have Abel, you have Enoch, you have Noah, you have Abraham and Sarah. And as you read through the chapter, you read one name after the other, Occasionally you will have a comment that will go beyond a verse or two and it seems like we have an interlude in the middle of this chapter that gives us an additional understanding to the lives of these people. You see a list of names and then you have verses 13 through 16 and then you go back to listing of the names again one after the other. You have Abraham, you have Isaac, you have Jacob, you have Moses, and on and on uh, the Bible goes. It is in this interlude that we learn something in addition to them being people of faith. Don't miss this statement. They made a drastic change in their lives when they went from living in Egypt, Egypt is always a picture of the world, a place where we satisfy the lust of our flesh. And they went from living a life of seeing and wanting what they could see and want to a life of faith, seeing what God wanted them to see. Are you with me tonight? You understand the drastic change. They're living in Egypt, a place to satisfy the lust of their flesh. They've traded that for a life of faith, seeing not what their flesh could see, but seeing what God would have them by faith to see. Now what God would have them to see by faith 
was a life not only worth living, it was a life worth dying for. Notice, if you will, in these verses again, and I want to point out some important words and phrases. Verse number 13, the word these is important because the Bible said these, and the reference of this interlude is to those who lived and died by faith in God. These all died in faith. Notice the phrase, not having received the promises. Now, they didn't receive the blessings before death, but they received them in heaven, and their children received the blessings of their decisions to live by faith. Back to the scripture, but having seen them afar off. Now, what they saw, they saw by faith. And then the Bible says, and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They realized that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. And as a song would say, our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And so they went from living by lust to living by faith in God. Back to the scripture, verse number 14. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Let me pause here and I'll come back to verse number 15. Canaan is oftentimes a reference to heaven. Most of the time it is a reference to the victorious Christian life. The life of faith is the victorious Christian life. The life of faith is the victorious Christian life. I don't want you to get the idea that they were trying to work their way to heaven. And they're not trying to earn salvation. They're not trying to earn eternal life. They've been saved by the grace of God. What they're attempting to achieve, though, is, a, is victory in the Christian life. There's too many satisfied to just be saved but not leave the ways of Egypt. These folks said that Egypt doesn't satisfy me anymore. I want to live the victorious Christian life in the land of Canaan, a land that flowed with milk and honey. Look at verse number 15, a key verse in this interlude in this chapter. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, talking about Egypt, they might have had opportunity to have returned if they had been mindful. Now, what does that mean? If they would have put in their minds these people, not everybody that left Egypt, we know, and I'll show it to you again in a minute, there were some that died in the wilderness, but these, the Bible said, uh, these, the Bible said, uh, they didn't even put in their mind about going back to Egypt. May I say, you ought to burn all the bridges that take you back to a life of death, and you ought to move forward in your Christian life, uh, no matter how difficult it may sometimes be, but do move forward in a life of faith. Then the Bible says they might have returned, but now they desire a better country. That is in heavenly, and that could even mean heaven on earth. He's not talking about earning salvation, but the victorious Christian life. Can I tell you something? I enjoy the Christian life right now. I'm going to shout when I get to heaven, but I'm going to enjoy and shout on the trip as well because of where I'm going. 
I'm not going to wait till I get to heaven to say I'm glad to be in heaven. I'm glad tonight to be on my way. I'm glad that my name's written down in the Lamb's book of life. I'm glad that my sins are forgiven and I'm going to enjoy my journey to heaven. The Bible says, Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their father, for he hath prepared for them a city. Verse 15 is telling us they did not look back. Had they spent their time looking back rather than looking forward by faith, they would have turned back in the time of trial, in the time of difficulty, but they did not. They pressed on the upward way, as the song says, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I'm onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Now I'm going to bring something to our attention that we tend to forget. And if you miss this part of the message, you're going to miss the purpose of the entire message. You understand these people that he's talking about here is a reference to being delivered from Egypt. Let's remember Egypt for what it was. You remember Pharaoh were using the children of Israel as slaves. They weren't just servants. They weren't just workers that were being cared for. Their lives were described as a life in bondage. It was a life of slavery. It was a life of bondage. It was a life of hatred. Pharaoh hated these people for who they were just as Satan hates God's people today. Pharaoh hated these people and he made their lives as difficult as he could make it. By the way, sin still does the same thing. Sin is not kind in any way. Uh, folks will sometimes brag about uh, Budweiser and say, well, they care about the folks that consume. They care about their customers to purchase again. Uh, but if they cared about people, they'd quit selling the rotten stuff. Uh, but what he is saying here, uh, these folks uh, understand they left Egypt, they left bondage, they left slavery, they left hatred, they left unkindness, and it was God they could not in their own power leave the land of Egypt but God in his mighty hand he delivered them from the bondage of sin and he set them free that's what our songs are about that's what our joy is about that's what our life as a Christian is about we've been set free from the mistreatment of Satan when we were under the bondage of sin they had found a better life in Christ. Uh, they by faith, uh, they changed their direction. They by faith were living uh, under the blessings and promises of God. God proved his love for them, his protection for them. You know the story as they left the land of Egypt. If we could somehow put our minds and our eyes and our thoughts on these people who have been set free. Think of those that have been beaten. Think of those that have been mistreated. Think of those who have worked beyond the able hours of a man to work. They're now set free. They're helping the older people get out of Egypt. They're helping the babies. They're bringing them together. They're fleeing a land of bondage. They come to the Red Sea. And when they come there, they realize Pharaoh and his army is out to get them, to kill them before they can get away. They feel as though they're trapped. The Red Sea is before them. Pharaoh's army is behind them. And he's closing in on them. 
but God parts the water. And they walk across on dry land. When they get to the other side of the Red Sea and they look back, they realize that, that God is for them. And if God be for us, who can be against us? And they recognized that God loved them and God was going to care for them as he brought the waters back and he drowned Pharaoh and his army. In fact, they wrote a song that they would forever sing uh, the song that God had not only delivered them but he had drowned Pharaoh uh, in the waters. Can I tell you one day our mighty God is going to put Satan right where he belongs uh, and he's going to be bound in the pits of hell and you and I are uh, going to enjoy the blessings of heaven for all eternity I'm saying tonight don't forget that you've been set free from bondage and you've been set free to live a better life now I want you to understand this statement they did not reap all of the blessings of their decision on earth but they did give to the next generation the life that they longed for in the land of Canaan now, very um, uh, understandable illustration is our forefathers who came to America did not reap the blessings of their sacrifices. Many of them lost their fortune. Many of them lost their life. But tonight and for these 200 plus years, we have enjoyed freedom in America because our forefathers dreamed of freedom. Are you with me tonight? You get that picture? That's exactly what's going on here. Well, the Bible says uh, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, is like our forefathers who paid the price for the freedom that we enjoy. Now, as they journeyed by faith through the wilderness toward Canaan, they worked to keep Canaan in mind. I'm coming now uh, to the very purpose of the message. They worked to keep Canaan in mind. They worked to keep Egypt out of mind. You understand what the Bible says in verse 15. If they were mindful, if their mind was full of Egypt. You know what the devil wants to do? He wants to advertise Egypt in your mind so you think it'd be better to go back than it would be to go forward. The devil wants to advertise Egypt and he wants us to be mindful, our minds to be full of Egypt. Now, he always advertises Egypt in a false way. Sin is always advertised for its fun and not its price. I said sin is always advertised for its fun and not its price. Take your Bibles and go to Psalm number 78 because there was a crowd that did look back. There was a crowd that did think about Egypt. Take your Bibles and go to Psalm number 78. And let's look here beginning in verse number 9 of what the Bible says. And we see this very thing happening in our generation today. There are some who say, I'm glad I'm set free from my sin. I don't want to live in bondage anymore. I don't want to live in the difficulties of sin. I'm enjoying being set free. I'm enjoying knowing that Christ is my Savior. Heaven is my home. I don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. They're glad for that. And yet there are some who are looking back and they're remembering not the pain of sin, but remembering the pleasure of sin. 
Look at verse number 9. The Bible says, And the children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forget his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. He rehearses all of this and he says, He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters to stand as in heap. In the daytime he also led them with a cloud, and all the night with the light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. Now look at verse 18. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. You know where lust is satisfied? In Egypt. They've forgotten the pain and they're remembering the pleasure. Lord, this water is not much and this manna is not much. We'd rather have meat. And lust will always cause you to complain rather than to be thankful for the good hand of God that leads and directs your life. Look at verse number 19. Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the ro a rock that the waters gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Can I tell you tonight, let, let's, let's understand, if we're not satisfied in the goodness of God, it is not anything but lust that's leading us and causing us to complain. We ought to be overwhelmed in the goodness of God. We ought to have great joy and satisfaction in our heart that God has given to us what he has. Notice he says in verse 21, Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel, because they believed not in God. And trusted not in his salvation. Now Hebrews 11 is not about those that turn back. Hebrews 11 is about these. These. Where the Bible tells us it was these that did not, that were not mindful of Egypt. But they kept their mind on the promised land. Those who looked back at Egypt did not see it as it really was. They did not see the bondage. They did not remember the slavery. They did not see the way Pharaoh had made their lives miserable working for him, making him wealthy, just as Satan wants the world to make 
him. Well, can I tell you something? You and I, we don't make God king. Satan wants us to make him king. God doesn't need us to make him king because he's already king. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. Satan wants us to choose to make him a king, and that's what he was working for here. If you look at Numbers 11, the Bible says, and the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And you find this again and again. And they asked the question, it's what 78, uh, Psalm 78 refers to in Numbers chapter 11. These are not looking at the miracle of God's provision in the wilderness. They're remembering the lust of Egypt. They did turn back and they did forfeit their inheritance in Canaan. They did forfeit the goodness of God and his provision for him. Now look right this way and pay close attention. I'm concerned today about a third and fourth generation of Christians who are removed from the pains of sin. That are removed from the shame of sin. A generation that is removed from the emptiness that sin brings. From the regrets that sin brings. From the memories that sin leaves behind. I'm thankful that I grew up in the blessings of the decisions of my grandparents and especially my mom and dad to live by faith in the will of God. Now, now pay close attention to what I'm about to tell you. My dad felt the pain of sin. My dad felt the shame of sin. Though he was raised in church, there was a period of time that he was out in the world. And if you heard him give his life story, he came to the place that he did not want to live. And there's nothing to live for in the devil's land. As he told the story, there was a night that suicide was in his mind. And he said, I was driving on a country road and I put my uh, gas pedal to the floor and I decided at the end of the road was a T where you had to stop and either turn right or left. Uh, there was a, black, uh, a block wall there, he said, and a cemetery. He said, I decided I was going to end life that night. He said, I, I had no purpose, no desire to live. You know why? He, as a Christian, was taught that sin was wrong and painful. And he tried to go back to that place to find pleasure. But he didn't find any pleasure. He only found pain. He only came to the place that he didn't want to live. And as he told the story, and I do not know how fast the car was going when he said, God broke my heart. He smote my heart. He said, I slammed on the brakes. And as the car skidded to a stop, he said, I ended up in a church parking lot just before that road ended. And it was there I realized I better give my life back to God. And he did. Thank God for a preacher that knocked on his door every Thursday evening. Thank God for a preacher that prayed for my dad. Though he was saved, he was out of the will of God. Though he was saved, he was living for the pleasures of Egypt. And the pleasures of Egypt was not bringing any joy. It was only bringing emptiness and shame and pain. And thank God for a preacher that loved him and got him back in church. As a result, I've grown up in a Christian home. 
I don't know what alcohol tastes like. I, I, I've never taken the drugs of the world. I've never lived in immorality. I've only known one woman, and that is the woman I'm married to. That's all I've known. I only know the blessings of their choice. Now, wait a minute. My crowd that has grown up in the blessings of the Lord are advertising the pleasures of Egypt, but they're not telling anybody about the pain that comes with it. Don't mess what I'm about to tell you. You better listen to those who have been to Egypt and felt the pain rather than those that are advertising Egypt who only see the advertisement of the pleasure. I'll come back to this in just a moment. I would say rather than listening to someone that's saying, you don't have to live such a clean, separated life. You can enjoy some of the things of the world. I would say tonight, before you listen to them, you ought to listen to the cries of King David. As he in pain and shame confesses his sin, his heart is filled with pain. Tears are streaming down his face, and if he could take back the one night that he stayed home from battle and he committed adultery with Bathsheba, if he could take back just that one night, he would take it back. Do you not see him? Do you not hear him as he weeps and he cries after a year of torment, after a year of a broken heart? And thank God for a prophet by the name of David that said, David, thou art the man. And until he faced the man of God, he didn't recognize that he needed to come clean of his sin but hear him as he cries don't listen to the one that's advertising the pleasure of Egypt who's never suffered the pain of Egypt I say to you tonight listen to the cries of Samson as he cries out for God to give him power one last time but he's blinded now because of that woman who would not stop in her persistence. By the way, evil never stops and sin is never satisfied. Sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. And I'm telling you tonight, don't you listen to the one that's advertising the pleasure of Egypt, but they've never suffered the hurt and the pain of Egypt. Listen to Samson as he cries and he says, Oh, if I could just take back that one night. Oh, if I could just have listened to my mom and dad that one night. If I could have just been satisfied with what God wanted me to have rather than seeking something that God said I couldn't have. Oh, God, if I could just take back that one night. That's what I want you to see. Listen to the cries of Samson. Listen to the cry of Peter as he weeps bitterly from denying the Lord Jesus. Listen to the cries of Absalom as he hangs from the oak tree by the long hair of his head because he's rebelled against his father. Don't you listen to that rebel before he's hung by the hair of his head. Don't you listen to that rebel that gets on Facebook and advertises that Egypt is filled with pleasure and you ought to go down there Friday night and you ought to go down there Saturday night. Before you get down there, stop and talk to Samson and stop and talk to Peter and stop and talk to Absalom and ask him, how was your night in Egypt? 
Listen to the cries of Naomi. As she returns from Moab. And she said, call me not. Naomi, call me Mara. She said, I went out full. But I came back empty. Listen to the cries of pain of Cain. As he said, Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Listen to the cries of Nadab and the Bayhu as they die from, die from the fires that are consuming them because they didn't take serious the work of God and the instruction of God. I wish tonight I could play a video of the three boys that sat in my office. The oldest was the spokesman for the three. I didn't know why they'd come to see me. They had asked the teacher, can we go see preacher today? We need to ask him a question. They came to my office. Their home had been broken because of alcohol and gambling. Dad had taken his money and he'd wasted it on gambling. He'd wasted it on alcohol and the marriage was divided. And that boy, as he tried to be brave and strong, he said to me, Preacher, tomorrow morning we have to go before the judge. And we have to answer the question, do we want to live with our dad? Or do we want to live with our mom? And that boy, he began to cry and he said, Preacher, we want to live with both of them. I didn't know what to say. What do you say to boys? whose father had wrecked their home. I got up from my seat. I put my arms around them. I didn't know what to say except to weep for them and say, oh God, please help us. You see, listen to me tonight. There's a lot of folks that are advertising the pleasures of Egypt, but they don't know anything about the pain of Egypt. Every week we work with folks in our, not only in our addictions ministry, but specifically in our addictions ministry, helping folks to overcome the alcohol, the drugs, the addictions to sin, the gambling that's robbing their family and destroying, taking their rent money, taking their food money. A young couple said recently to one of our men, they were coming to the addictions ministry and they said, we have a relative in the hospital we're going to visit them. The honest truth is they did not have a relative in the hospital. Sin had taken their money. They had no place to stay. And they went from waiting room to waiting room for a warm place to stay at night. By the way, the work of the church is to help those that are broken. Help those that are hurting. But I want to tell you tonight, why would we go to Egypt for the pleasure and not listen to the understanding there's pain with that pleasure? The life that God wants you to have is a life of faith in Him. It's a life of blessing. That's what God wants you to have. 
That brings me to the next statement as we take our Bibles and go to Exodus chapter 10. Pharaoh is standing, or, or Moses is standing before Pharaoh. Moses is standing before Pharaoh. And he is saying, Pharaoh, God said, let my people go. Pharaoh said, no, I'll not let them go. And a, a plague came and there were ten plagues that came. And a plague would come and Pharaoh would call for Moses. In fact, look at verse 16 and you'll see a, a, a picture of what goes on. Then Pharaoh called, uh, by the way, look at verse 15. For they covered the face of the whole earth. Now he's talking about his locust. It was one of the plagues. Locust covered the face of the whole earth. Verse 16. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore forgive, I pray thee. But he was only wanting to get rid of the locust. He didn't want to let the people go. Now I want you to pay close attention when we come to verse 14. Another plague has come. And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. Now I, want you to, I want you to get the answer of Moses. And Moses said, Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Here it is, our cattle also shall go with us. Now notice the detail. There shall not an hoof be left behind. We're not leaving the cattle. We're not leaving the camels. We're not going to leave a camel's toenail behind. When we leave Egypt, we're leaving for good. We're leaving. We're not coming back on Friday night. We're not coming back on Saturday night. We're not coming back. We're leaving and we're leaving for good. By the way, that's why this preacher cries aloud against the sin that would enslave and hurt God's people and any people. That's why tonight I say to you, don't listen to this crowd that's advertising the pleasure of more gambling. By the way, they have to change the name from gambling to gaming. That ought to get your attention right there. Satan doesn't play games. Now, he may play a game to get you in, but he ain't playing games. Well, it's not gambling, really. It's entertainment. Well, I'll tell you something. I'd, I'd rather find my entertainment someplace else than a place that's trying to rob me, than a place that's trying to hurt my marriage, than a place that's trying to take food uh, from my children uh, and causing the church even more work to try to help and re Hey, I would be ashamed, and I want to say tonight to the legislators that are promoting even more gambling, shame on you. There are folks tonight that will live without a place to stay, no place to stay, because they've wasted their money on gambling. And here's what they want to do now. They want to take a cell phone and give the opportunity to gamble on a cell phone. By the way, never satisfied they said if we can get the lottery in our state then that'll take care of all our educational needs you know you know they're going to underfund the teachers pension this coming year more than 60 million dollars and we were told that the lottery by the way i was against the lottery i don't want to do anything that would keep god from blessing me and he tells me in the book to work that's why he tells me and so, and so I don't want a 13-year-old to be tempted to bet 
on the University of Kentucky basketball game. Starting to say Louisville, but that'd be a losing bet every time. <laughs> but they have to answer, are you 18 years of age? We don't want children to have that. That's why I fight against it. That's why I stand against it. I ask you tonight, why was it illegal for 200 years? And all of a sudden they're saying, well, it's really not illegal. Satan doesn't play games. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. When you've heard the cries of the children, when you've seen the condition I met, I met on a Friday night in our addictions ministry, I met one of the most intelligent, hard-working men I'd ever met, but he said to me, he said, Preacher, my life is a wreck. I'm separated from my children because I couldn't stop the gambling and drinking. Now, I want to tell you, those that are advertising the pleasures of Egypt, you better not listen to them. You better talk to somebody who's experienced the pain and says, you better be careful going down there. And that same crowd is pushing for marijuana. Read the stories of those who have lost everything. Listen to the stories of those that are homeless and marriages are broken and children are alone. Look at those things that associate itself with gambling. Alcohol. Immorality. Corruption. You know what? We're better off to live... By working and saving and living within our budgets. By the way, don't try to justify the promotion of gambling by saying, well, you take a chance by driving every day. That's not the same thing. Well, you buy insurance, and that's the same thing as gambling. You know that's a false argument. Think of this statement. Shame on someone that would promote a business that is required to pay for rehabilitation centers for those that participate in their business. Now you've got to take so much, and I'm for the rehabilitation center. I'm for that. We don't have an addictions ministry because we don't have anything to do on Friday night. We're trying to help folks. I'm for that. But I'm saying it would be a lot easier if we just didn't do it. Let's talk to those in history who've come through martyrdom. Prison, chains, communism. To give us the nation that we have. Don't you feel sorry for our veterans who paid a great price for the freedom we enjoy and see folks running for president that are trampling on the very thing that they gave their life for? I don't know about you, but when I saw the 100-year-old airman when he was honored at the State of the Union address, when I saw him stand up, I was sitting down on the bed. I stood up. I saluted back. I mean, those, he is one of the few living. Many gave their life. I'm saying, friends, there are those that have, they've never been to Egypt. They've never felt the pains of Egypt. They're advertising the pleasures of Egypt. Don't listen to that crowd. Listen to the crowd that's been there. See what Egypt stole from them. See what, see what Egypt took from them. See what they say about Egypt now. I'm saying tonight we're living for a better land. Now let me finish with this. We were saved to not only have our sins paid for 
and to be set free from sin, we were saved to live the victorious Christian life. I hear folks say, well, we just miss so much. Well, we just miss out on, you don't miss out on anything except the pain that goes with that pleasure. That's all you miss out on. Let's not focus on that. Let's go back to that verse again. I'll finish here. Then I'll finish somewhere else. I'm trying my best to stop. This big plane's hard to stop. Verse 15, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. By the way, that's why our music here is not joined with Egypt's music because I don't want you to be mindful of Egypt. I want you to be mindful of Canaan. That's why our vocabulary here is not joined with that of, of, of uh, Egypt and Ashdod because I don't, want you to be I don't want you to be mindful of Egypt. I want you to be mindful of Canaan. I don't need a rock and roll band to help me get excited about on uh, uh, Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye. I don't need a rock and roll band to get me excited about amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Friend, Canaan is exciting enough. Let's live by faith. Amen. Hey, this crowd that's turned around, look and say, look at the pleasures in Egypt. Tell them, hey, as we make our journey, talk to those that have experienced the pain of Egypt. What church is for is to help point us toward Canaan, not even to be mindful of Egypt. Stand with me tonight. There's a lot of hurting people in our world. I do not know how many we've met with in, in their home, in a hospital, in a rehab center. I don't know. It is a great joy to be able to tell them there's a better life to live. And oh, that's why. That's why I fight so hard against anything that would promote Egypt because there's nothing back there. Everything we're looking forward to is in Canaan. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and your love to us.